Hello. Hello, and welcome to Unpleasant Movies, the podcast dedicated to harsh and unrelenting cinema. I'm Svaro Ogol. And I'm Thomas Simonsen Barnbell. And today we're discussing a movie. Yes, we're talking about Eden Lake, the 2008 film by James Watkins, starring Michael Fassbinder and Kelly Riley. And Jack O'Connell as a colourful local character. <laughs> yeah. So this film, it's about um, this charming young couple uh, who have like a weekend trip yeah. to uh, uh, this uh, countryside lake where they're just going to have a nice vacation. It's sort of a, a middle-class holiday. Unfortunately, they come into conflict with some quite young kids. Local hooligans. Yeah, yeah. And um, it starts off with him just asking them to turn the music down and then it starts to escalate and it becomes something like a slasher movie almost. Yeah, um, it's sort of in the vein of those uh, American, American uh, college horror movies where young people yeah. travel out into the into the sticks and meet uh, horrible rednecks who try to murder them. This is sort of a more uh, low-key, realistic British take on that. Yeah, because it uses those genre elements but puts it in a realistic setting more or less, <laughs> and... Um, Starts off pretty realistic, anyway. Uh, yeah. Has maybe some elements of social commentary, I suppose. Yeah. In a sense. But that's basically the movie. Yeah. Young couple travel to rural uh, Great Britain and experience some uh, hardships, shall yeah. we say, yeah. at and the this, hands of local hooligans. And his director, he, James Watkins, he's... Um, I haven't really seen much he's done... But he seems like he's a fairly competent genre-type director. He did Woman in Black remake yeah. a few years ago, uh, which is okay, I think. The yeah. original, I think, is great, but the new one was kind of okay. Competently and sort of uninspired? Yeah. Made? Bit. Yeah. And he also did, did a quite good episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, I read that in the credits. I haven't actually seen Black Mirror. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice episode. It's called Shut Up and Dance. It's about uh, a trap laid out for... The protagonist. Well, I won't say anymore because you haven't seen it, but <laughs> okay. it's a good episode anyway. Yeah, yeah he seems, uh, I haven't uh, watched any of his other work, but this movie was uh, very competently uh, put together, I think. Just uh, quite tight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it uses a lot of foreshadowing. Absolutely. Quite cleverly done, I thought. It starts off with uh, just terrorized screams by the main uh, character, uh, the woman played by uh, Kelly Riley. And that sort of stuck with me throughout the movie. Like, wh when is the, where are the screams coming from? I sort yeah, because it's, it's the title, title screens and it's like the black titles and then intercut with these short, uh, harsh cuts of screams and bits of the lake that you see just suddenly, yeah, quite and, harshly. And, and the woman's face. Yeah. So, you're, so that's sort of uh, in, in the back of your mind uh, mm. while you're watching this movie. Like, yeah, I know it's, it seems pleasant enough right now, mm. but uh, we know some shit's going to go down. Because it goes from that to a, a very like nice scene where she's teaching kids. It's a game of peekaboo. Yeah, she's a, a young, charming teacher. And uh, of course, the game of peekaboo itself is a foreshadowing of the yeah. kind of uh, games she'll be playing with the yeah, absolutely. nastier kids later Hide on. Hide and seek yeah. with uh, some nastier kids, absolutely. Uh, and then um, Michael Fassbender uh, playing Steve is waiting outside in his uh, Jeep Cherokee and... Uh, they go, well, he's taking her on an excursion, basically. Yeah. Uh, to a quarry lake. Mm -hmm. 
called Eden Lake. Which is being redeveloped. They're changing it into vacation housing for the rich people, I guess. Yeah. And, and the thing that uh, the first conflicts in the movie are basically just the local people seem just really trashy and terrible, you know? Yeah, you have these scenes. I mean, the, first of all, you hear some local radio going on, uh, talking about kids not going to school and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then um, come to this bed and breakfast. And first of all, the bartender doesn't acknowledge him. No. Which is, just comes off as a bit weird, as yeah. if he doesn't see him, but he only serves her. Yeah, they seem they all seem a bit chavish. Yeah. And he's, he's only in, interested in the woman, you know. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk to the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they're sitting out there drinking beer, they, they have these little kids running around screaming, and, and Mike Fassbender is about to say, oh, God, they should shut that kid up. He deserves, yeah, they're so noisy. Yeah, they, they deserve a... And at that moment, uh, his, the mother of the child slaps him really hard, <laughs> yeah. and they're shocked. <laughs> and it just... Uh, yeah. It's really... Uh, yeah, that sort of sets the tone, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, uh, should we just uh, grab another beer? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, throughout the night when they're staying at this bed and breakfast, there's lots of screaming... Just and, shouting yeah. and it just seems like a really rowdy and yeah. sort of um, sort of a uh, young urban professional's worst nightmare <laughs> <laughs> when they travel to the countryside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just lots of uh, local rough characters. Yeah, <laughs> but they sort of laugh it off. Mm. You know, they're I think they have quite a good chemistry. Yeah. the two main characters and they uh, and Michael Fassbender is quite good in this movie. I think. Yeah, I think he, he does a nice job. Yeah. yeah, and they sort of brush it off, laugh it mm. off, and, you know, yeah, well, we're going out to the quarry. And, uh, but there's a sort of foreshadowing because uh, Michael Fassbender's character, Steve, he seems a bit unassertive. Mm. He doesn't want to address the problems. He doesn't tell the bartender that he just brushes that off. He brushes mm -hmm. the thing off with the kids. He doesn't tell uh, the rowdy people when they're trying to sleep to, to turn it down or, mm -hmm. or to... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, she, she asks him if he's a man or a mouse. Yeah. And he just says, you know, better not escalate, basically. Yeah. And that, again, <laughs> it's pretty good foreshadowing. It's, it, everything that happens sort of points towards what's going to happen. Yeah. In a very nice way, I think. Oh, I forgot to say also, um, actually, we one of the first things we see are the kids riding on bicycles in front of the car yeah. earlier on. That's quite a nice... Because that will play in later. Well. Yeah, they're like uh, the kids from Stranger Things from Hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from hellish things. Yeah, hellish things. But yeah, then they uh, they sleep at the bed and breakfast and they go out to the quarry lake mm. the next day to camp yeah. uh, and to bathe. And they, they travel out there and they see that it's this development project. Yeah. And so they drive out to the quarry lake uh, and uh, there's a development project going on. And Jenny seems a bit skeptical. As she's done the entire way, really, because the area just seems quite rough and kind of shady. Yeah, it's funny, actually, because when they drive into this development, there's a, this, this big plaque yeah. which says, uh, Welcome to Eden Lake Development Housing. And on the, as they uh, go in, you see the back of the... It says... Uh, Fuck off, yuppie cunts. Yeah, yuppie cunts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty clear messaging, I think. Yeah, absolutely. They don't like yuppie cunts. No. Which is, if I was to venture about a theme uh, in this movie, I'd say it's about the, well, I mentioned it earl earlier, young urban professionals' worst nightmare. And like the, the anxiety about hoodies and uh, r rural hooligans and just uh, rowdy country people. Mm. It's sort of vaguely classist, I think. Absolutely. I think you could say that. Kind of overtly uh, classist, yeah, actually. Yeah. 
It has a bit of, I would say, class resentments or some, some. Yeah, there's a lot of tension in terms of. I mean, as you you mentioned earlier, like these American movies about normal people going out. Yeah, to the college outbacks. college people out these, to have uh, fun and with the evil kind of redneck, evil low income, yeah. uh, poor people. Yeah, <laughs> working class versus middle class or yeah, upper classes. definitely. Visit. And I think the movie was came under quite some criticism mm. uh, because of this. Yeah, although I'm not sure how much of it is just sort of unintentional because it builds on a lot of tropes i think yeah it does yeah yeah my my feeling is that he, he might not have uh, thought it through in from that perspective i don't think the movie was made to demonize uh lower income british people although like it Chaz. does <laughs> although it does in a sort of big way and as we shall see as the movie goes on you just see that every single one of these local people are mm. just terrible people yeah 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 if not evil, then at least morally bankrupt. And weak. And, and yeah, stupid weak and, and uh, stupid. Violent. And uh, mm. some are just plain evil. Mm-hmm. They meet a waitress. Yeah. And she comes off as pleasant enough. And then it turns and she's unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Like it, there's just a thin veneer of uh, hospitality. Yeah. And it doesn't take much for that to fall away yeah. and reveal the ugly truth of these terrible rural people mm. <laughs> that just hate urban people, middle class people. Yeah, there's definitely something about coming into their territory. Yeah, you're encroaching on their territory, which is uh, pretty explicitly laid out with the whole housing development thing. Mm. The middle class is encroaching on these rural people. And um, so Steve and Jenny, they head out to the lake and Mm. they, you know, they lay down on the beach there. It's quite pleasant Mm. and they sunbathe and... It doesn't take long for a bunch of, yeah, the same local hooligans that drove past them on the BMX bikes to uh, appear with a, a loud pit bull, I think, big loud dog, and they're blasting this horrible music mm. and just being all around extremely obnoxious. Mm. At first, of course, they're, they're, they're kind of bullying this young kid that we saw earlier as well. It's kind of like a shy boy with a bicycle. He's, um, he's out doing some uh, nature. He's like... Uh, yeah. Catching a caterpillar or something. Yeah, something like that. And yeah, then writing s- a science report. And then when they get to the beach, we see them scuffling about and kind of bullying this uh, this this young kid, yeah. this sort of nerd. I think uh, this is the first point where um, Steve yeah. actually just tries to assert himself, and he goes over to the kids. Well, af- well, af- no, after he doesn't they- do that point because what happens is that uh, when when they're they're bullying this young. Kid. She she asked him to do something about it, and he says, "As long as it's not bothering us, we won't do anything about it." Yeah. And then a little bit later, then more of the kids come, and they have this dog and the music, and it's, it starts to get a bit unpleasant. So he he goes over and asks them to please turn the. Yeah, well, it's quite interesting because first Steve is being unassertive, yeah, and then he goes out to swim or something, mm. and then she falls asleep, and yeah, then suddenly yeah. she's awoken by this. This dog just barking in her face. Yeah, yeah. Just welcome to Hicksville, you know, have a horrible wet day. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then Steve goes over and he tries to tell them to turn down the music and uh, tell the dog to leave us alone. That's and, right. Yeah. And uh, they won't acknowledge him either. They pretend like they just can't hear him. He, he then turns down the volume and then tension starts to build up a bit. Yeah. He walks, you know five meters away and they turn up the music yeah. again and they just shout ob- obnoxious things at him. Yeah. And it's just an incredibly tense atmosphere, mm. which just, 
it never really eases up. And it has to be said, I mean, like Michael Fassman, he's quite fit. Yeah. Right. And then there's these kids, they look like they're 12 or something. 12, or 13, maybe yeah. the leader is 14 or something. And so you've got the feeling that if he wanted to, he could, you know, whatever. But he... he uh... But, you know, teenagers are quite scary, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're quite unpredictable and they just, like, I can sort of, I can see his sort of, uh, like, he's just one person and they're like yeah. seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But, I mean, I feel like it's a potential for, for him to take to take charge in a way but he's not that type of a, a no person. he's not really he's he's more of a sort of a low-key humorous mm. kind of mm. l- laughing things off he doesn't really want to cause any troubles yeah. or cause any dissonance with the local people mm. so anyway they, he goes back and the then, kids leave eventually yeah and as he leaves the leader he whips out his penis yeah uh very charming yeah they walk yeah they walk past them and just yeah. uh they're as obnoxious as kids can be you know yeah but yeah, they leave and uh, Jenny and Steve are like, yeah, well, okay, let's just try to enjoy our holiday. Yeah. And they uh, eventually just pack out their tent uh, and uh, go to sleep. And uh, before they're trying to sleep, they're trying to have sex. And uh, in the background, you just hear this screaming. Yeah. And this is when it becomes like a really sort of genre. Classic uh, horror. Yeah. Sort of. It's the typical scene where you, there's something outside making noises and he, goes out, he goes out to look yeah. and you hear some scuffling. And it's interesting. I thought it was a very nice touch um, mm. because they hear the screams and uh, eventually Jenny tells, well, uh, Steve says, I'll go check. Mm. She's like, no. Oh, yeah, okay, do it. And then Steve leaves. Mm. But the camera stays with uh, Jenny, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. very nice. You, don't, you, you sort of feel her anxiety mm. about not knowing what's happening. Mm. She's just trying to listen to hear if anything's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she sees a flashlight. But Steve doesn't sort of respond. So maybe it's not Steve. It's just very mm. tense and unpleasant. Mm. But it turns out it is Steve. And, you know, yeah. uh-huh. he's, he's pranking yeah. yeah, he's pranking her. Yeah. And uh, it seems to end well and they fall asleep. And because it, it's sort of a jump scare when he just yeah, comes it, in. It rah! is, a, it is yeah. uh, the first jump scare of the mm. movie. But a pretty well done jump scare. Yeah. Jump scare ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very effective. At that point, it feels so much like a slasher movie. Yeah. yeah. It really just delves into that. Tropey, mm. sort of horror feel. Tropey you know, water. Yeah, tropey water. Treading tropey water. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, and they wake up and they're going to head into town again yeah. to get some breakfast, I yeah, think. Yeah. As they're pulling the Jeep out, he gets a flat tire. Steve gets a flat tire because the kids left some broken glass uh, under the wheel or something. Yeah, I think they put like a bottle yeah. so that when he drives back... Yeah. It, it, yeah. They're just true little shits. Yeah. Uh, mm. And he, he, of course, gets really pissed and he mm. changes the tire with a mm. spare and they drive into town. Mm. And uh, I think this is when the scene with the waitress occurs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because he asks the waitress if, if she knows about any sort of... Rowdy kids on rowdy BMX kids. bikes. Yeah, and uh, and she, she kind of laughs it off a bit and then he says, yeah, because uh, they um, put a hole in my tire. And then she... She says, not my kids. Yeah, <laughs> she changes... changes yeah, she just goes dead serious yeah. and annoyed and it's like, not my kids. Yeah. Not my fucking problem. And, and you can feel some tension there. <laughs> yeah, there's some real tension. Yeah. And again, they laugh it off and joke about it, but the mm. tension is very real. And it's yeah. like it's like this really just dark and shitty town mm. where everyone is just really against them. Yeah. They see the, the kids riding around on bikes as well. They're driving back yeah. and they notice the BMX bikes mm. out on the lawn. Mm. And Steve is like... Fuck this. I'm going in to talk to this little shit's parents. Yeah. 
Which is which seems like an appropriate thing to do at that point. Yes. If this was a normal city <laughs> with normal people, it would probably be uh, the proper thing to do. <laughs> but as it turns out, he uh, knocks on the door and nobody replies. Mm. Nobody opens the door. So he, for some reason, goes into the house, which is uh, the first point of this movie where I think, why? Why does it do this? Yeah, he's looking for the parents is my feeling. And then he just keeps walking. Yeah, I mean, he is in. looking for the parents. But at some point, he's like uh, many rooms into the house. Yeah. And it's like you're inside some stranger's house. And it's just pretty weird. And he starts going up the stairs. First, he goes into the house. He doesn't <laughs> see them. And the dad of uh, the main kid, Adam, comes home. Yeah, uh, and he, he honks the car because she's parked in front. Yeah, and he's a belligerent asshole. And he's yeah. like, get the fuck out of my driveway, you cunt, or something. <laughs> something to that effect. And, uh, and she has to scoot over to the driver's side and move the car hmm. so he can get in. And then, uh, then Steve notices that the dad is home. And he's like, fuck, I'm inside this guy's house. Yeah. And this is also kind of like a, a very sort of genre-typical scene. Uh, it was very effective and very yeah. tense. Yeah, it and kind of reminds me a bit Mike Myers from Halloween. Yeah, exactly. Uh, following, it's just, uh, again, it's very classic horror, mm. but in this sort of British mm. sort of low-key setting. And, mm. and it works very well. And he, he goes upstairs and hides in this, uh, this uh, dickhead kid's room. Yeah. And the dad is like, where the fuck are you? Or something to that effect. It's apparent that they don't have a very good relationship, the father and the son. Like, everyone's just a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's quite intense. And and he's like a, a worker. He's like a, a... Yeah, he's covered in blocks of paint and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's so. a carpenter or a, a plumber or something mm. like um, uh, some menial job, mm. which again is like, a menial job, you, you have to be an evil dick. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and uh, Steve is so scared. <laughs> yeah. And eventually the dad goes upstairs and he's like, fuck, what do I do? So he jumps out on the roof through the window yeah. and eventually he manages to escape, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just a really unpleasant scene yeah. and it shows you how how shitty uh, the villagers are. And But it's, it's I, I really like this scene because it also has a lot of foreshadowing in terms of um, sonography. Because we'll be returning to this place later. Yeah. And you lay out like the, the place a lot. And then it does a few of these things like it has, there's, um, there's a mark in the wall where someone's punched through yeah. a, a wall. And uh, there's a lot of things that kind of lead up to what we're going to see later. Uh, so a lot of sort of uh, subtle or not so subtle details, mm. pointing a finger at what kind of place, what kind of characters mm. these people are. Mm. Which is, they're just bad. <laughs> bad news, bad people. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like deliverance in a way. Yeah. yeah, it has kind just, of that vibe. Uh, yeah. Travel to a place where you're a stranger. Mm. You're a, you're from a different world, mm -hmm. and just everything seems sort of a little bit off. Yeah, a little bit off. Yeah, definitely. Just a thin veneer of civilization mm. above these beasts. Mm. But it's uh, very well done, and uh, they travel back. I think mm. uh, to the campsite again, just joking about it, and yeah, he goes. Uh, yeah, they go back, and he goes scuba diving or something. He does. And when he returns, she's fallen asleep and they discover... No, first oh. he pulls out a wedding ring because he's going to oh, propose yeah. to her. That's true. And at yeah. that exact moment when he pulls out the ring, mm. Jenny says, where's the beach bag or something? Mm. It had our keys in it. Yeah. And the beach bag is gone and the keys are gone and mm. their phones are gone mm. and the wallet is gone. And now shit is really hitting the fan. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they go over to the car and they notice, well, it's gone. It's mm. been stolen. Yeah. 
it's another like everything just escalates and escalates uh, and now they have to try to find the car basically yeah. so they're walking towards town and uh, at some point the the kids because the kids have stolen the car mm. uh, drive towards them yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. tries to run them over or at least uh, run past them and shout uh, obscenities again mm. just being real dicks and you know the, the more you watch this movie the more you just hate these fucking kids mm. you just really want them to uh, get their comeuppance in a way. Yeah, you dislike them, but, but at the same time, I feel like they're not they're not totally cliche. Like they have distinct characters. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, they they are different people, and they have a dynamic within yeah. the group, and they seem as absurdly evil as they are absurdly uh, just. Uh, well, they're very offensive. I wouldn't say evil, but they're extremely offensive all the time. Well, as like it turns out, hostile. eventually yeah, yeah. the the main guy, the the leader, is yeah. without a doubt evil. But the rest of the guys yeah. are just uh, sort of under his uh, yoke, as it were. I just follow his yeah. every rule, and they're they are quite believable mm. in a sense because yeah. the uh, dynamic is believable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the slang is believable. Mm. The actors do a quite yeah. good job, yeah. and they're quite young. Yeah, yeah, it's well done. It's not like those college horror movies. Mm. It's not like Michael Myers or whatever. It's not. It's not some pure evil monster. It's just a bunch of jerky kids. Yeah, and a lot of teenagers are jerks and will shout obscenities and will act like dicks because that's mm. the age where you act out, you know, against authorities, against uh, grown-ups. But they probably wouldn't escalate quite as far. <laughs> let's hope as this. Yeah, goes. which is one of the problems I actually have with the movie. Mm. Is it just. We'll get, we can, to that. We, we'll get to that. <laughs> a lot of things are going to happen. Yeah. Um, so they they uh, sh- they drive past them. The kids drive past them, mm-hmm. and uh, Steve and Jane are like, "Fuck, mm-hmm. they got our car." Mm-hmm. Uh, so they try to follow them. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and so they walk and walk and walk, and it get, it starts to get dark mm-hmm. basically, and um, they see a campfire. Yeah, this is like starting of the the proper confrontation. Yeah. Now we're getting down to the real, real <laughs> conflict here. Yeah. Um, and so they walk up to the bonfire, and uh, Steve just steps into the light, says basically, give us our car keys, mm. you little shits. Yeah. Give us our phones, our car keys, and our wallets, mm. and we'll be on our way. You've had your fun. Mm. It's extremely tense, extremely uh, just a unpleasant uh, feeling about this encounter, and basically they get physical. Yeah, and somebody pulls out a knife. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. don't quite know. And they who. and the dog also goes into attack. Yeah, and Steve grabs the knife. Yeah, and what basically happens is that the dog gets stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, the, in in amidst in not intentionally, but amidst in the scuffle. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, the dog is apparently Adams, uh, mm. the main sort of leader of the gangs, mm-hmm. and he just uh, goes bananas because he lost his precious angry dog. <laughs> Because <laughs> at that point you feel like there's a, a shift that's happened. Like Definitely, shit gets serious yeah. at that point yeah. because blood has been spilled. Yeah. Uh, even if yeah, because the, the dog dies. Yeah, and... but the dog is an important part of the gang. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I think one of the kids throws the car keys away. Yeah. Everyone's sort of sad or angry and mm. upset. It's very just uh, emotional. And mm. uh, Steve and Jenny just run for the car keys and run away. Yeah. And it becomes clear that Adam wants to get them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he sort of sticks his gang on them and they follow. They run after them. Mm. And now it's getting really intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it's uh, in the middle of the night in the forest, uh, and they don't really know where they are. Mm. Uh, by some happenstance, they sort of come upon the car, uh, Steve and Jenny, which I thought was a sort of uh, weird touch. Mm. But, you know, it could happen. Well, it's suspension of disbelief, yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah. I didn't think much about it. They found the car and they tried to drive off. It was a bit convenient, but mm. it doesn't really matter. Mm. It doesn't really matter. It works. Uh, and they drive off or try to drive off. Mm. It's the middle of the night and it's not really a proper road. And yeah. the, there's lots of kids shouting at them and they don't know where they are. Steve tries to drive up a little slope yeah. and the car gets stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he tries to reverse. No, it doesn't. He, well, anyway, they're, they're stuck and the kids come upon them and yeah. they start throwing rocks mm-hmm. at the windshield mm. and um, they crack the glass. It's just really, really, really scary at this point. And, um, and uh, he manages to get the car away and they mm. manage to drive off. But the, uh, since the windshield is cracked, they can't see anything. Mm. And here's another point that sort of peeved me, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't he just drive a bit slower or maybe stick his head out the window? Because they're going full speed Mm. (laughs) and he can't see anything. So, of course, what happens is that they crash. Yeah, inevitably, because he can't see anything Mm -hmm. and they're going full speed in a Mm. forest, not on a road. So, Mm. Well, he's obviously panicked. Now they're really fucked. Yeah, because as they crash, there's a tree that goes through the window and hits him. So he's stuck. Steve's stuck. And quite seriously hurt, it looks like. Yeah, and he's like, Jenny, go save yeah. yourself. Call the police. Get yeah. some help. Yeah. Yeah. Because the kids are, are just behind. So. Yeah, you can hear them yeah. shouting. So Jenny gets out of the car and bolts off into the forest. And Steve is stuck. And then she goes to hide as the kids come. And she falls asleep, I suppose. Yeah, she she hides, basically. And you don't really see what happens to mm. Steve at that moment. And uh, then the sun comes up and it's morning again. And yeah. Jenny is waking up from this pile of leaves or whatever under mm. some branches. And she wanders off and eventually comes upon Steve and, and the gang. Well, yeah, because she goes back to the car and it's empty, of course. But there's blood over all the place. So she basically just follows the blood yeah. and comes to clearing where they've tied him up. They, they have a chain around him and yeah. some barbed wire. And uh, kind of... Torturing him, I guess, doing these games. And this was when it really goes into kind of like... This uh, is when the torture porn begins. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it stops being believable, I suppose, at this point and becomes more of a like... A, a Slasher. Yeah. Sort of thing, uh, yeah, yeah. Because the kids all start hurting him now. First, yeah. Adam just uh, yeah. is using a knife on him. Yeah. And then... He, he gets. He pushes the other kids to cut him. While the girl in the gang is <clears throat> filming it. Sort of like a gang initiation thing. Yeah. That yeah. they do to prove your sort of worth and to sort of prove that you can't go back on it. So Because you you're, have, you're part yeah. of the crime now. Because you have this one guy who's, who says it's enough's enough uh, and I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then he's forced uh, by the like, social dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Because much like Jesus, yeah. his followers doubt him. Yeah. <laughs> But they prove themselves, mm. each and every one, because they have faith in their great leader, Adam, <laughs> and his uh, big quest to mm. kill these yuppies. Mm. So yeah, everyone has a go at him, stab him in yeah, the and side. And at this point, I mean, it, it looks really serious. He's bleeding a lot, and they cut him Cut him severely. Yeah. Some of them don't do it deeply enough, yeah. and he's like, do it deeper. And they just stick a, sort of a, a packing knife yeah into his mouth yeah, and it's yeah. just really, really brutal and yeah. intense and uh, unpleasant to watch. And uh, Jenny is watching all this yeah. from the bushes. 
And there's a thing going on. She's connecting to Adam's calls. Bluetooth yeah. to call 999 emergency services. And uh, Adam notices it. And he's like, oh, that's Bluetooth. She's around here. Yeah. yeah. So, so basically she runs off again. And this starts, well, the rest of the film is the basically hunt. the kids chasing her. And yeah, it's a diabolical hide and seek. <laughs> so back to the peekaboo. Yeah, back sense. to the peekaboo. Yeah. Back to the first scene of the movie. Yeah. And I'm not sure if we need to go detail into all the different scenes, but it's it's a back and forth that's quite intense. Um, there's a there's a few instances of scenes where it's not quite believable where she, she's she's hiding and then suddenly she's at top of uh, the building where she's been hiding. Yeah, a couple of things like that that for me they kind of they're a bit turn off. Yeah, you really have to the you yeah. know the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. At some points in the movie, it becomes. A, a bit of a leap yeah. too, but but I think it works generally quite well, and uh, it just escalates and escalates. Mm. They're running. Um, Steve is losing a lot of blood, you know, because yeah. uh, she meets up with him later, and uh, yeah, um, it just becomes more and more violent, more and more extreme. Everybody's losing blood. Everybody's getting hurt. Mm. Uh, at some point, Jenny runs across a, like a sharp pole or something, like yeah. a piece of wood, and gets it like through her foot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and of course, I mean, that's another thing. I get that if you have adrenaline, you can do. I mean, I, I just don't buy that she can run around after that bit of wood has pierced it completely. Well, first, I don't believe that she'd run into that pole in that way and get mm. it through her foot. It's just, again, a bit too convenient mm. to create tension. As you say, like adrenaline can make you do some shit, but if you, it's a quite a significant wound in her foot. Yeah, and I mean, she's, it goes you're going to lose foot. a lot yeah. of blood. Yeah. Quite quickly. Yeah. It's dirty. She has like extremely dirty mm. shoes on. It's going to get like infected. And I, I mean, it's so unsanitary. Yeah, and they're and losing just, so much blood. And it, it lasts for so long that she keeps running for a long time. And it doesn't really have an effect. It's kind of, I, I prefer movies that like, if you're going to seriously damage your characters, then it should seriously impair them as well. Yeah. And I feel a lot of the time, I mean, even in genre movies, I feel I, I much prefer that they... Uh... Well, in a sense, they do that, but with Steve, because he's yeah. he's quite uh, he's out of the game quite early on yeah, yeah. because he's so hurt. And I think that works very mm. well. But Jenny, mm. well, she's not mm. very hurt. And it turns with. out also that she's really resourceful. So when she's in a tense situation, she managed to find like a quick solution just before the rest of the kids show up. And there's uh, one point where, well, we can get to the um, the, the whole uh, fire, the bonfire scene. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is like, this is That's, another this one. This one stuff becomes really gruesome, I yeah. think. <laughs> Basically, they... They managed to capture Steve again. Yeah. And they've turned him up on a bonfire and they're going to set him afire. Yeah. They captured Jenny as well. Yeah. And they've tied them up yeah. uh, in a giant bonfire and they're th uh, pouring gasoline yeah. over them. And at this point, I'm like... That's Ooh. pretty... I mean, you have to be quite insane yeah. to do something like that. I mean, it becomes obvious that uh, Adam yeah. is insane, but, yeah. but there's like four other kids, yeah. four, four other teenagers yeah. who are like pouring gasoline on two strangers and are going to... Burn them alive. Well, Steve's already dead, actually, but burn this woman alive. And uh, nobody dares question Adam's authority or manages to do it uh, effectively anyway. Mm. And so they... Well, I mean, this first kid who kind of challenged him earlier tries a bit to say again, but uh, yeah. he's 
pretty quickly. Uh, Much like Judas did to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking, but yeah. Um, it's a nice but yeah, they, 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 there's always there, there's sort of a, a consistent internal conflict in the yeah. gang, but there's it doesn't tension, really yeah. do anything. No. The bullying victim from earlier mm. um, is the one who leads Jenny to this bonfire. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because they've captured Steve, and then she meets up with with the the um, bullying victim. Yeah. And, and he's sort of... She, he, she asks him to, to lead her out to the grown-ups, to the city, and uh, he does the exact opposite, leads her to the... Um, Again, I find it quite hard to believe that she doesn't just immediately get his phone and dial emergency services. Yeah. Instead, she sort of limps behind him, mm. and I, it's just a bit... Yeah. yeah, it's not quite believable. Yeah, Yeah. anyway, he's sort of a quizzing sort of a... Yeah. Uh, because the, the other gang members have bullied him into mm. sort of turning her over mm. and anyway they so they light the fire and uh well they don't they actually bully the little oh, bullying yeah, victim true. into lighting the fire yeah. which is gruesome uh, and mm. they're filming it mm. uh, and uh adam is like i didn't do it you did it <laughs> yeah. as if that would ever like amount to anything in a court when you're forcing people yeah because yeah, it's true this. yeah because he has this uh, this um dumb phone Every time everyone, anyone else does uh, like a nasty thing, he films it. No, she films it, the girl of the group, but uh, Adam t- tells her to. Okay. So, so they're all, do- they're, they document everything they do. Again, yeah. not very smart, but teenagers well, he, I mean, he uses smart. it as a social leverage so that other people are responsible for the situation that happens. So that it blame can't just be forced on him later on. No, he forces people to participate, yeah. which is uh, something a lot of criminals do. Yeah. Bad people. Bad people, but that doesn't absolve him of what should we say criminal guilt like he's he's the one instigating this so mm. but he's a teenager like that's believable i think but anyway yeah. the bonfire has been lit yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and so, yeah so the fire is off and of course like the smoke would kill you instantly uh, that never happens in <laughs> movies no uh, instead, it starts, well, it starts to burn the rope. It wouldn't kill you instantly but it but well a long time before you were covered in yeah, flames yeah it's the smoke that will kill you first yeah. Anyway, so so the the fire kind of eats at the ropes, and she managed to break free and run off. Again, a bit like how yeah. does yeah? Well, well, it's a bit too convenient. Yeah, but it could happen, I suppose, if you if you really yeah. want. If you wore to. a mask, a yeah. smoke mask or something. <laughs> anyway, Jenny escapes again, and now things go really crazy because they take a tire on the head of a bullying victim. Yeah, a little know. science kid, and then they. Pour, they pour fuel over his they, head. Yeah, and they light him on fire yeah. while he's alive. Yeah, it's like what the fuck. That is, I mean, that's just too much. <laughs> that's that's uh, the biggest leap till now. Just yeah. uh, oh, let's kill these people because we've terrorized them enough that they could turn us into to the police. Now they just murder this innocent kid yeah. in the most horrific way possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jen is like, wow, yeah. and she runs away again. Later on, there's confrontation. Because you have no, an, another one of the, the kids who are a bit younger, played by Thomas Turgus, who's in um, uh, This Is England. Yeah. Things. And he kind of walks up to her. Well, before that, oh, yeah. there's one thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. She finds a map showing where yeah, she is. Yeah. And that means, oh, now she has an escape route, right? right? Yeah. But uh, the main guy and his main pal are right behind. And she, so she jumps into this dumpster filled with brown liquid sort of decomposing oh yeah, it's really matter disgusting, yeah. Re- really dis- really disgusting and sort of unbelievable why mm. the fuck is are like is yeah, there like yeah. brown toxic waste 
in this uh, rural dump site. Mm. But anyway, she jumps into it with her like giant wound in her foot yeah. into this sludge of just biotoxic waste mm. uh, and hides there. And of course, that has no consequences. Mm. <laughs> After that, she gets out of the dumpster and this, uh, you know, the youngest and most sort of vulnerable of uh, gang mm. kids uh, g- comes up to her because... It, it seems like he has sort of some sympathy now. He's like... Yeah, uh, it feels like he's, he he's might want to try and help her instead. Yeah, it yeah. seems like that. But she's grabbed a piece of glass with a rag yeah. and just jabs it in his throat. Yeah, because she turns around quickly because she doesn't know who's behind her. Yeah, and stabs him. And stabs him in the neck yeah. and murders him. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to say, at that point, yeah, like... <laughs> Right after they burn that bullying victim, mm. I was like, I'm sort of tired of all the violence now. Mm. Like, it's getting a bit too much. Mm. A bit Like, the intensity has been so high for so long that mm. you're sort of burnt out and you're like, mm. God, <laughs> this is just so horrible. But it's... It's quite unpleasant, yeah. It's, a, it's extremely unpleasant, but it doesn't ever hold up. There's like it no... It doesn't relent. Yeah, no. it's not very dynamic. It's just mm. high maximum. Well, I mean... That's not entirely true because it does have these moments of peace. But anytime there's a moment of peace, like a, a lot worse uh, are going to happen. Yeah, yeah but peace in this case is yeah. just uh, her not actively being uh, attacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, running. Well, like her finding the map. Okay, so that feels like that's progress. But then yeah, it's progress, yeah. but I wouldn't call it peace. Yeah, the people are still hunting her, yeah. and she's bleeding, and she's covered all over with mud, and it, it doesn't feel like peace. It's still the stakes are extremely <laughs> high, and you're just. I'm like my point is okay. that every time it relents a bit and good things happen, it turns the tables very quickly and a lot worse things start to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But so, as you said, yeah. as you said, she's resourceful and yeah. she manages to get out mm. of uh, every situation. Mm. Uh, and she finds the map and she's on her way after mm. stabbing that little ginger <laughs> kid, <laughs> uh, which is gruesome. But at that point, you're like, at least one of the kids uh, get their comeuppance. Uh, yeah, and then I guess. Oh, yeah, what happens is she comes to the road and then... Because uh, this is another uh, situation where it feels like it's going to get better because she she, uh, she stops a car and the guy's willing to help her. He lets yeah. her on and he says he's out looking for his uh, brother. And it turns out, of course, that he's the brother of the most horrible of the uh, little shit kids. Of course. And that's also, uh, that's also a thing mm. that's often used in horror movies. Mm. The false escape. Mm. The false sense of security. Ah, oh, I'm safe yeah. now. Oh, it turns out it's actually, you know, some other horrible thing. Yeah. So they're driving towards the kids now yeah. because the brother is looking for um, his brother, yeah. which is uh, the leader of the gang, I think. And when when he goes out to talk to the kids, she takes the car and uh, drives off. Yeah. And then she hits uh, the girl from the yeah. ki- gang. Yeah, he's been filming all the yeah. horrible shit. Yeah. And at that point, again, you're like... Yeah. Well, she play stupid game, win stupid prizes, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, she uh, obviously doesn't care anymore. She just needs to get out. And uh, I mean, she's yeah. bleeding quite profusely. They've killed her fiance. Yeah, uh, she she's doesn't give a shit at this point. Already. Like I can so, feel her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, she drives off, and eventually she gets to. Uh, she meets another car or something. Veers off and crashes into mm. this um, property. Mm. And uh, she gets out of the car, crashes what seems to be a party, mm. and it's just like. Help me! Yeah. And uh, just collapses yeah. on the grass and wakes up inside this house. And this is where the foreshadowing comes into play again yeah. because it you turns reala- out it's the same house. Yeah, you realize quite quickly these but, are uh, the local Fassbender people. Went into it's a earlier. party at the mm. horrible dad's house. Yeah. 
and she's just killed <laughs> two of these kids. You know? So you're just sort of waiting for... Uh, are they going to notice? And then phone calls start coming in. Because initially they are kind of yeah. helpful. Yeah, they definitely seem like they want to help her and get things sorted out and find out what happened. Yeah. And then uh, the tables turn. Yeah, phone calls start coming in. She starts to realize that uh, they know now that, or, or are going to find out soon that she killed two of these kids. And she's like, I'm going to be sick. Uh, get me to the bathroom mm. just to get out of the room. Mm. And she locks herself in the bathroom and yeah, they and find out. On the door. They, and they start banging on the door. Yeah, the main dad starts yeah. banging on the door. Yeah. The, the big Adam. And she, again, quite resourcefully finds a razor blade. Like, yeah, a razor she, blade she, she and um, stands at the ready and then hides it in her pocket. Mm. And then the door is broken down. She tries to attack the guy. Mm. And uh, they're like, we're going to handle this, put Adam to bed or something. And the... Mm. Uh, then we don't quite see what happens. We follow the main gang leader kid up to yeah. his room, yeah. and he's like staring into the mirror with the uh, with the sunglasses he stole from Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he cool. deletes the uh, and he deletes the videos. The and uh, you hear the parents talking, and they're like, they're going to find out. The police are going to come. And they're like, mm. they don't have to know mm. if we don't tell them. Mm. Which is preposterous. Yeah. Like so many people have died. They're going. They might not find exactly what happened, but they're going to find out that a lot of people have died. And like, it's sort of stupid, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it ends there. So it's not a happy ending. It's absolutely not a happy mm. ending. It's the worst possible ending, and mm. um, it just prolonged suffering until mm. real suffering. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, and now the entire <laughs> village is trying to kill them, yeah. or is going to kill yeah. this woman. Actually, it reminds me a bit of a book okay. uh, by the Norwegian author Tarja Vesos. Okay. Uh, called Kiemen. Where what does that translate to? The spark, maybe. Okay. And uh, I won't uh, divulge too much of the plot, but something mm. happens. A stranger comes into there's a um, this little island, a mm. Norwegian island, and a stranger comes into their society, seemingly nice, and does something horrible, mm. and the whole village decides to take a horrible vengeance upon him. Hmm. And then afterwards, they decide not to talk about it. Now, that's a very good version of what happens in this movie. Hmm. Very well done, unbelievable. But in this case, it seems just too dumb. Well, I mean, I like it, but it walks the borderline between like uh, like typical genre fare and something that's more realistic. And the way it crosses that line just feels a bit it works in a sort of stupid slasher way but it doesn't work in a sort yeah. of uh, the the tone of the movie initially i don't think works with the way it ends so there's I mean, a sort of i mean it, tonal it, dissonance i mean it works but on a genre level yeah i mean it's really tight mm. and very engaging yeah. and very unpleasant yeah and escalates beautifully Absolutely. and it uses a lot of foreshadowing and yeah. it looks good and it, the, the, yeah, it's the sound filmed, is used really good nice. and the, It's a good um, sound design, good acting. Uh, I mean, it is basically a horror film without a monster. Yeah. Uh, well, the and, monster is uh, the working class. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's kind of uncomfortable that it kind of it says that like middle class people are okay, but uh, working class people are really, really terrible. Yeah, because that's a consequence uh, at the end of the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not just that the villagers are a bit unpleasant and uh, a bit, they're like actively going to get into this conspiracy yeah. to murder strange people because. Without they, really knowing much about what's happening, yeah, they, they don't just even know much about it. Find out that it's better to just uh, murder. 
Now, I believe that collective punishment in that way and that a local community can get together and punish a stranger, sure. that's not unbelievable. Mm. But it's just the the way it, yeah. it all comes together mm. and that there's just no redeeming qualities mm. about this local community. It's what mm. sort of takes it from that uh, social commentary thing to a, just a, um, a genre, yeah. genre ending that yeah. feels a bit ham-fisted yeah. for a movie this sophisticatedly I mean, made. There's, there's a lot of angst and I was thinking about I mean this film is made in 2008 and that's the, towards the end of the Great Recessions yeah. and a bit before you had these uh, big uh, riots in England yeah. uh, so there's a lot of class tension going on there is and this is uh, uh, apparently I haven't uh, really read much about it but apparently part of the whole broken Britain thing mm. which has been dealt with uh, in a lot of contemporaneous movies in England the whole uh Crime is on the rise. There's a lot of social unrest, yeah. um, you know, immigration, violence, mm. all this, all, all these themes that lead to a lot of anxiety in the movies produced at the time. And this is a mm. very anxious movie. Yeah, for a sort of a it's, regular yeah, yeah. middle class uh, Britain. And I was actually thinking because there's, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you saw it, but there's a series uh, by uh, Louis C.K. a few years ago called just called Louis. Yeah, I watched and, it. And there's a scene where he's on a date and he's harassed by some shit kids and he decides he's going to follow them afterwards. Yeah. And he follows them on the tube and finds out where the, the main guy lives and he goes to his dad and he talks to him and says, uh, you know, your kid harassed me. And he has a conversation about it. Uh, and it's, it's quite nicely done, actually. Yeah. Uh, and uh, humanizes a lot more. This film demonizes the working class. Yeah, because there's a lot of opportunity to humanize her. Yeah. And it just always veers on the side of demonizing, mm. uh, contra-humanizing, mm. which is what makes it feel ham-fisted and genre, in my opinion. Mm. It doesn't try to nuance these people uh, or put any nuance into no. these people. And that's a shame, I think, yeah, because it, it could have gone it, it could have gone from a, a, a good, competent mm. horror movie to sort of a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the potential is there and like the skill in terms of uh, technical skill in terms of filmmaking yeah. is definitely there. But yeah, it's more interested in making an effective genre movie than saying something interesting. Which is problematic because there is a social commentary there, yeah. whether it was intended or not. But absolutely worth a watch, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, if you want to have, like, I noticed right after I finished watching it that I just... I was in a really bad mood. <laughs> it put me in a really bad mood. And um, I don't think an unpleasant movie has to put you in a bad mood. But it really, it was a, just a... Yeah, sometimes you just feel like really sad and put off. And sometimes you feel like you have a lot of things you need to talk about. Yeah. That's the ideal, uh, for me at least. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, as a, I feel like in many ways it's a lot better than, than a lot of horror movies or genre movies. Because it, it, it uh, just in terms of um, the tension and the craftsmanship uh, uh, from that same time, I yeah. think it's it's really effective. If you only look at it as a, a genre film, yeah, it's, it's it's a great genre film. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of actually, yeah. a movie which I think is a lot better, yeah. uh, Funny Games. Yeah, yeah, well, in Funny which games, yeah. you're just exposed to these strangers that mm. you don't really know what's going on mm. inside their head. They're mm. extremely unpleasant mm. and they cause this horrible, horrible situation with you, and you're just Everything is out of your control and just trying to escape it. Yeah. 
But the difference is in in funny games, it's not really a class thing. They're just two strangers. Yeah. While here, it's just uh, a bunch of kids. Which I is... mean, like in in funny games, it's it's probably people from the same class. Yeah, they look actually a bit upper class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's not that dynamic. It's a very different dynamic. We should definitely talk about funny games at some point because yeah, it's that's a great an extremely movie. unpleasant movie. Yeah. But you know, after funny games, I didn't sit sit with this. Uh, I wasn't in a bad mood. I was more in a, I guess, more thoughtful mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And it also plays a lot with um, the fourth wall and stuff like that, mm. which this movie doesn't. It's yeah. quite traditional in a horror sense. But yeah, interesting movie. So I have a, a pretty good recommendation for an unpleasant um, bit of culture. It's a, it's a game. It's a piece of game from the all culture is unpleasant. <laughs> From uh, it's a, a game called Bad Mojo from 1996. It's kind of like an adventure game where you play a character called Roger Sams, who's transformed magically into a cockroach, and you're in this uh, motel. So it's sort of a um, Franz Kafka. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of inspired by uh, and Ma- the, Metamorphosis. Yeah, yeah, and like the character's name, it's like instead of Gregor Samsa, it's Roger Sams. Well, it's kind yeah. of similar. Yeah. The thing is, you're playing as um, this cockroach in this really disgusting motel, and amongst all these cigarette snubs and bits oh, yeah, of yeah. oil on the floor. I, I think you've uh, talked uh, to me about this before. Yeah, and it's like just the environment is so nasty and and. You're you're kind of like um, you're using these tank controls, which means you control them kind of clunkily, and you walk on all the surfaces. So you might walk up like uh, the side of a chair, yeah, and underneath, on top of and underneath all the surfaces. Yeah. So you really see all like the insides of radios, and everything's really sort of gnarly and, and filthy, and dust. And, yeah. yeah. And the, and the story is kind of like kind of oblivious. It's something about as a cockroach. You discover that uh, yeah, well. Well, that's the, the other be- that's there. the beauty of games as a medium. I think the story doesn't always have it to be interesting because you you can just have interesting mechanics or an yeah. interesting setting and yeah. it works beautifully. And it's 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 really a, a stylish game and quite disgusting and, and weird. Uh, but just said it was from 1996. So yeah, it's yeah. quite a, an old game. Well, it's it's from this era of PC games where they were. I feel like they were experimenting so much and making all these really strange and. Um, these games with weird mechanics and settings. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that at the times you didn't need a huge team to develop a game yeah, because yeah. the graphics were usually usually simple enough that you could uh, make them quite easily. And so you could spend a lot of time developing Yeah, cool and, and they were also commercially viable. I mean, this, this game did quite well, I think, in its initial run. Yeah. Similar to the indie scene of today, but different also. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Bad Mojo... It's really cool. You can get it at uh, Good Old Games. Uh, or yeah, Gonk. yeah, right, right. Um, Great. So check that game out. Yeah. Uh, so my recommendation uh, uh, this episode is uh, a book, actually. Mm. It's a book called The Man from the Train. It was released in uh, 2017. And um, it's a true crime book. Okay. Um, and it's written by Bill James, which is uh, actually a baseball statistician. Anyways, he, he works with baseball statistics. And I think he's a sports journalist. Okay. Um, and he actually uses that uh, quite a lot in this work. And uh, it's also written by his daughter, uh, Rachel McCarthy James. They wrote it together. Yeah. yeah. And he was inspired to write it by the 1912 uh, Villisca axe murders, where a family was brutally slain 
with an axe. Okay. And it's uh, one of the most famous um, family murders in America of all time. And through his research, he found just a lot of axe murders. Okay. uh, In this period from circa 1900 to 1913. Mm. And basically, it's a really interesting book because it paints a picture of the times. But it also paints a picture of this extremely, extremely demented guy who's a bit like a ghost. Mm. There's almost no trace of him, but he he does the same thing almost with every scene. And he kills a lot. I think uh, he uses statistics to figure out how likely uh, the murderer is to be one person or if if it's another person. And I think he says it's quite certain that he killed 14 families. Jesus. Totaling 59 victims and quite possibly an additional 25 families. Okay, okay. Totaling to 94 victims. So quite prolific. So between 60 and 150 victims, Hmm. basically murdered brutally with an axe. When was this? It was in the early 1900s. So right before the First World War. First World War. So from 1900 to 1912, circa 1913. And he has the same MO, which is why I find this book so extremely unpleasant, is because he goes into quite detail about this. He would stake out a family, Hmm. usually waiting in the barn, picking up an axe, because at those times most families had a wood pile Hmm. and uh, used wood for uh, fuel and for the furnace and to heat the, the house and everything. He usually picked up an axe and then he would bash the heads of the family in while they were sleeping, covering them first with a blanket or whatever, possibly to avoid spilling, possibly for some other reason, we don't know. And he would usually focus on a young pubescent girl in the family. The rest of the family who would just murder outright, but uh, her would usually be found with like struggling wounds and defensive wounds and um, uh, with semen stains. And he would, of course, eventually bash her head in as well. And then he would cover up all the windows uh, with a blanket or with curtains, and he would cover the mirrors for okay. some reason, which is just. But this is a. He was caught. This guy. Uh... He was never caught. Okay. And in fact, people didn't actually know there was a serial killer. Mm. Which because is that's what... a long time before you had the term serial killer. Yeah, absolutely. That wasn't coined until the late seventies, I mm. think. Mm. Um, through the FBI uh, uh, profiling unit, as seen in the Manhunter TV yes, series. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> And in the book, Mindhunter, mm. by the same FBI guy. But, but, but anyways, the interesting thing is that the author basically finds the serial killer because they didn't know he existed. All but right. through statistics, he actually basically connects a whole bunch of murders. And it's, I would say, extremely well done journalistically. Okay, okay. It's well researched. And it's not just throwing out some sort of a, a lot of true crime shit. Like, oh, I found the who Jack the Ripper is and just mm. throw some random name out yeah. because there's no proof uh, otherwise. But yeah, he would travel by railroad and just slaughter family by family by family. It's extremely re- well written. Okay. It, it reads sort of like a, just like a good novel, like a good true crime novel in the vein of Truman Capote or something. And it's very unpleasant and I would recommend that you read it. It's called The Man from the Train. Sounds good. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> It's a nice evening read. Yeah. Read it when you're alone <laughs> in the middle of the night. Because I did and I had fucking nightmares. It was just <laughs> terrible. All right. Yeah. And then we have a nightmare-inducing book and a really disgusting and interesting game. Yeah, check that both of those good. out. So next episode, we're going to talk about Sombre, a 1998 film by Philip Grandio. Sombre. Yeah. 
which I'm uh, looking forward to. It's part of like the initial run of these um, new French extremist uh, films. Uh, yeah. So it should be interesting. It and, should be interesting. Um, if you like this podcast and uh, interested in more unpleasant movies, I recommend that you go over to Mubi and check out our list of unpleasant movies there. There's a lot of good recommendations. Yeah. So do check that out. And until next time, just stay cool and healthy. Bye-bye.